Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Good and gracious God, we thank you and we praise you as we enter into this time talking about your word and, and your church. Uh, we are grateful for all the blessings that you bestowed upon us, the gift of our life, of our families, our friendships, our, our work, our vocations. I ask your Holy Spirit to be with us during this time as we continue to contemplate and speak of you. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. You're listening to Cajun Catholics. We feature outstanding Catholics from all over Acadiana today. I have a co-host, Mr. David Gary, great man, Mr. Uh, Golf Pro out at the Wetlands Golf Course. Welcome to the show, David. Yeah, hello. Hi, Todd. And our guest today is Father Shambo. He is the pastor at St. Joseph's in Milton. Welcome, Father. Thank you, Todd. Good to be here. Really. All right, Father. Tell okay. us, uh, you know, I know Father through, through the business a little okay. bit. He drives a good Ford. He's a good man <laughs> on there on that end. But uh, tell us a little bit about yourself from the beginning. Oh, very good. From the beginning, we'll have to go a little bit backwards. Go uh, back. I arrived in Lafayette uh, to be, of course, pa- associate pastor of St. Pius Church and then becoming pastor at um, St. Joseph and Milton. But I go further back uh, down I-10 uh, to Eunice. That was my hometown uh, where I grew up. Um, my parish was St. Anthony of Padua in Eunice, where I was baptized, and then educated at St. Edmund um, Elementary and then high school. Um, so that was, my, I guess, my beginning to, to life there. Enjoyed, you know, faith and family and, and friends there. Um, but also, um, I guess, took a little different route than, than some of our some other priests uh, went to college first. I went to, uh, to university, huge university, Louisiana State University at Eunice at the time, uh, just a little bit under, I think, 3,000 students, um, part-time and full-time, where I was kind of majoring in, in computer science or computer information technology. The, the idea was, I think, to take as many, many courses as I could there and then make a, make a transfer to, to LSU. That was kind of the little dream of, of Eunice kids and when they'd be a, a tiger um, but in the back of my mind, back of my heart, it was always I'm just kind of, kind of, you know, spending some time here, spinning my wheels a little bit, um, knowing that I probably had a vocation, but wasn't quite sure how to how to work it out. Um, but if I figured I can stay in school, I can learn, you know, create good friendships, and attend mass, and, and do whatever I can to enrich my faith in the meantime, that that opportunity was still gonna still gonna be there. So I took everything I could t- take at that two-year university, staying there for three years, <laughs> working uh, on campus at, uh, at LSUE as well in the, in the library, and then making my way a different way, different path. Instead of LSU, Baton Rouge, heading over to our good, good friends, UL Lafayette, right here, um, right here in Lafayette, and spending another two years there wrapping up my degree in management. Oh. Again, looking mm-hmm. for a good option to, to kind of finish up and uh, – that's awesome. Yeah. I didn't know you had a management degree. All right, Father. You know, can you have two jobs? Because we can hire you. Can have two jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask the first question. David. Go ahead. So, okay. so uh, just to curiosity, did you go to Catholic school? Is it? Is that- yes, I did. Okay. St. Edmund and Eunice. So that was my, my Catholic school education. And okay. Well, I was actually a teacher there. She taught there for many years. She was kind of recruited by the nuns in the early days, the early 70s. So she became kind of a, a fixture there. So in other words, I... There's no way I could not go there. I understand. <laughs> and she, I and she watched goes. over closely, watched me closely. <laughs> All right, David, you're yeah. up. 
Okay. Oh, let's see. Uh, Father, it's great having you. And I, I got to tell you, um, yeah, as being a parishioner at yeah. St. Joseph and you're my pastor, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a blessing to have you. And, and I felt like I've really grown spiritually since you've been there. Um, and uh, we're, I'm really glad that you are, uh, are our priest. Um, I guess uh, what I wanted to ask, the, um, at what point in your, let's say, in your life, that you just you kind of felt that calling. How how did that how did that happen? You know, to become a priest. Yeah. I, I think the first kind of initial call where like this could happen right. was was the fourth fourth grade. Okay, and it was the uh, the associate pastor kind of going room by room, classroom by classroom, inviting you know um, students to be altar servers. Okay, and my first reaction was no. There's no way I want to do that. No way I want to be <laughs> want to be there. Um, I'm afraid. I, I'm scared. And in the back of the, my mind, I was like, I want to really be there. I want to do what he does. Right. But I kind of sort of felt like I had to keep that a secret in a way. It wasn't really. Uh, you know, fleshed out or, or talked out. Right. Um, so I didn't, and everyone else around me, all my other friends, they signed up to be altar servers and got to do all kind of things like that, assist at the altar. Right. And I just kind of waited, you know, for, well, maybe next year, you know, Father's going to be, no, it never happened. Yeah. <laughs> the year after that. But I think I always watch with that anticipation. And then my fourth grade teacher telling me, you know, that you can be, you know, you should be a priest. And then fast forward to my ordination um, after the, I entered seminary at 28 years old, okay. took a little longer there. <laughs> so fast forward uh, quite a bit, and then she was at my first Mass, and she slipped me an envelope with the pictures of clippings. She had been following me since the fourth grade on, knowing that one day I would be a priest. No so that was her little prophecy, I guess, or right, her, little, right. her prediction. But it wasn't until my junior year in high school that I realized, you know, this is something that I really need to seriously think and talk about. Um, but I never brought it to my parents. Right. I think I did the full circle all the way around. There was that, that fear, kind of fear factor in mm-hmm. there. Um, what would I be missing out on or, or what would my parents, would they be disappointed right. if I would approach them? And this was in the early the early 90s. So we didn't have the, the big social media kind of push and all these um, – these great videos and things that we see now right. that show you like Fishers of Men video that became mm-hmm. kind of famous in the mm-hmm. last 10 years right. that really drew you into the vocation. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a static, you know, mm-hmm. a two dimension. This is the priest in the rectory or this is the priest at, at mass. Right. You really didn't see, I think, him out in the world working and you know moving about as we are, as we are here today. Mm-hmm. Father, um, Tell me about, you mentioned your parents were deceased, and, and, I, and there's a lot of young men out there, I think, that are discerning, maybe listening to this broadcast. Yeah. So what, um, what was your biggest, um, I guess, misconception about how your parents would view, yeah. would view your priesthood, and how did they accept that? I, I think with, with my mom, uh, she had died previously to my entering seminary. It was actually the week before I, I graduated from, from UO Lafayette. And I was holding that talk off you know, until, you know, graduation. And she had suffered from a stroke. She uh, had diabetes and was in about six months of rehabilitation and just didn't quite quite make it through um, all the way through there. Um, but I always felt that she was praying for vocations. You know, mm-hmm. she was a daily communicant, as we hear so many of our Catholics, or I guess our, our listeners here, um, dedicated to adoration. She and my younger brother had a holy hour together all through his high school career. And That's then awesome. When, after she died, then my dad took over that holy hour as well, part of his reconversion, coming back to the faith. 
Um, so I guess I always wondered what she would think. And one day going through some of her belongings for to go through insurance or whatever work we had to do after her death, I found a vocation card. And the, um, you know, the text of the vocation, the prayer, was all faded away from her praying it with her fingers. Wow. Said, wow. She's been praying for someone's vocation for quite a while, and dare that be, be mine. Um, and my dad, I think I was fearful to tell him because I thought that he needed my help now that she had died and that I had to help raise maybe my, my younger brother and my, mm-hmm. my younger sister. And I would somehow be kind of be betraying him in a way. Hmm. And then it, it, I think we have all these, these thoughts, these concerns going through our mind. If we're not talking them out with, with, uh, with good peers or with, with your pastor or your friends, I think we might end up kind of putting ourselves into a corner there in, in vocational discernment. Um, I think that's why it's good we need someone to, to walk with and, and right. expressing these things. And my dad had that initial reaction that most of our, our listeners, our mm-hmm. parents out there, well, what about your kid, grandkids? And then what about college or your your job? You, right. You've made your way so far already. You know, you're going to be losing out or missing out. And, and now that's not quite the case. And he was overjoyed probably, you know, the, the week after. <laughs> you know, it took a little while to, you know, to hit him pretty hard right, with, with sure. that request. But, you know, just overjoyed at my ordination and realized that, you know, I can do anything that God wants me mm-hmm. to wants me to do. Yeah. Uh, so, Father, I, I'm, I'm curious as to, you know, can you walk me through, walk us through the, you know, becoming a priest? Like, what, what you, you go to, how, do, how does it work? I mean, you, you apply to seminary school. How does that, yeah. how does that yeah. all go and, until, you, until you, where you are now presently? Right. You know, you know it's, a very, um, it's not an overwhelming procedure like yeah. one, one would think. It's just mm-hmm. basically a phone call. Okay. You know, calling your, calling your pastor first is always a, a great idea and speaking with him because he's already been to seminary. He's been through the vocational discernment right. process. Process. Um, but here in our diocese, we talk with the vocation director. We're very fortunate to have Father Patrick Broussard, okay. um, who's a vocation director. We have director of seminarians, uh, Father Kevin Bordelon. Um, we all know these three. We're friends with them, you know, right. so we, we, we speak with them regularly. Um, so that's our first step. So yeah. we encourage the, the person who's spoken with us right. to seek out, you know, the vocation director, make an appointment, and have that initial meeting. I see. And then at that yeah. point, you know, he, he's listening to see, mm. you know, is, is he really just kind mm-hmm. of not sure, or is this something that he can truly, is he truly having a call from God? Okay. And it's not a one-meeting one meeting deal. There, there's several meetings that we kind of go through, just right. kind of conversations that continue um, until acceptance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at that point, it seems like a similar to a university. You make your visit to the seminary. Right. Uh, parents can go and visit mm-hmm. and, and take a look around and see what's there you have a college catalog because these are fully accredited institutions right um and you go from there and in the meantime while you're doing all that you're making friends with with seminarians who are telling you that the behind the scenes just like you would when you're making a college visit and they're kind of showing you what campus life looks like here's all the great places to eat in in covington Mm -hmm. or new orleans or you know these are some of the opportunities you have at certain parishes that you can serve at or or certain apostolic uh, ministries that you can do, right. maybe certain social work in the in the area where where um, where your help is needed. Sure. Time frame wise, what do you what would you say? Now, now for me, I guess it was special. I had a degree in management, okay. so um, I started out where you know get a, a, an associate degree at yeah. uh, LSU at Eunice, yeah. then a degree in management. Then I worked for as a civil service employee for the university 
for um, for about five or six okay. years. So I was a classified mm-hmm. employee. So I had some experience under right. under my belt there. But you still need to pick up these philosophy credits, <laughs> right. despite what your background is. Mm-hmm. So two years in philosophy was required mm-hmm. of me. I see. And uh, I completed that at St. Joseph Seminary in Covington. And then after that, if you successfully complete that, um, not only the academic formation, but your human and spiritual mm-hmm. and go through a, kind of like a little board of directors yeah. there at yeah. the seminary, then you're invited to move on to the theologate, mm-hmm. which would be a master's in, right. in theology or master's in divinity, depending on your seminary. Right. And that's four years. That's four years. So, Where'd you do that? And that was at Notre Dame Seminary wow. in New Orleans, mm-hmm. which has become very popular these days <coughs> with, with lay, you know, lay people in our in our community yeah. as well as um, seminarians. Mm-hmm. Very, very awesome seminary right now. Uh, I know Father Hampton was there when you had gone. In fact, Father Hampton had just finished cleaning up after the hurricane. <laughs> I remember uh, that he was the hero there at, at Katrina, um, and he was head of the, I think the pastoral formation department uh-huh. and the formation of priests, sending us back in as deacons into parishes. So he really built that program there. Yeah, his little brother called yeah. me and wanted us to go rescue yeah. the seminarians uh, <laughs> and, and want to know if I had a boat. And uh, we, we had a little hand in that, not much, mm-hmm. but we were, we were there if we, we were needed, you know, yeah, okay. with, the, with the Cajun Navy. Right. Uh, but, yeah. Father, um, so uh, it's interesting to me that, you, you know, you have this management degree. And, I mean, I think you yeah. go in there with a whole lot more than most of the seminarians. I've been to St. Ben's. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful place. But, yeah. man, you – and I and I heard you say you took philosophy. I took philosophy at LSU. It was a bad deal. Almost failed out of that class. That was not good. Very confusing stuff. But um, you know, so tell me a little bit about. I know that you you know the the the, the A's and B's and the black and white of of the Word of God. And uh, but but the Holy Spirit side of it. I mean, how how has that in your prayer life? I heard you say your family did some adoration. You know, how has the Holy Spirit touched you, and where has that led you in in your ministry? Um, the Holy Spirit's called upon on a, on a daily basis, and maybe we may not even use it use the the words you know, come Holy Spirit, as we probably should. We should probably should do that more often, invoke the, these prayers. But uh, I have to remind myself every time that I'm surprised after maybe a prayer experience, or or every time I feel like, wow, this is like as if this is a coincidence. Even with my theological background, I have to remind myself this is God working in my life today. You know, this is what the Holy Spirit was meant to do, this inspiration, not necessarily for me to go out and maybe preach among people, but even people coming towards me, right. <laughs> you know, with certain ideas and, and, and things that they'd like to see maybe happening in the parish or sharing their growth back with me. I do call those Holy Spirit moments. Um, just recently, we had a, a Holy Spirit moment um, where a family um, was asking about the, the Sacred Heart of Jesus and having a more increased devotion and said, well, would you believe the bishop just wrote a letter recently asking for more devotions to the Sacred Heart and to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and how much this is badly needed by the family. Yeah. And this family truly needed this, uh, this, this in their life. Right. So we were able to kind of start working on enthroning their home. And that's that's awesome. Yeah. I hear. I yeah. would love to do that. I haven't done that yeah. at my house. You're listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show. Today's guest is Father William Shambo at uh, St. Joseph's Church in Milton. And again, our co-host is David Gary. He's the golf pro out at the Wetlands. Mm-hmm. We're having a great time here today sharing our faith. Uh, you know, for me, Father, when I know the Holy Spirit's present, 
he communicates with me through numbers, through certain numbers, and and then doves. I almost got knocked out of my house trying to go duck hunting three days ago by this <laughs> dove. He almost attacked me. So I don't know. And when I'm in deep prayer and I'm in that right place of spiritual communion or uh, sanctifying grace, you know, that's how I know God's present. How does He reveal Himself? I know you mentioned, you know, here's this ping. We call it Dave and I call that a ping from Garcia. But how does He? How do you? How does He reveal that to you? When, you, when you're really feeling the Holy Spirit, you know he's there. You know, sort of an unexplainable. Yeah. Some of us will smile, we'll have like a laugh, or some with tears. I notice many people coming up to Holy Communion with tears. Mm-hmm. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, they got it. You know, they got it. Not necessarily the message of the homily, thinking, oh, Father, this was a great homily. They tell us all we have great homilies, by the way. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, but to see this 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 heaven on earth, you know, going into this this faithful person who may have been struggling for, for years or might still be struggling, mm-hmm. but to see that, that come over or just a big smile as they leave the parish thanking me, thinking, you know, we haven't experienced anything like this in, in years. And right. I think, oh, wow, I thought this was just what we do every every Sunday. But someone maybe who's in a parish way, way, maybe out of our diocese and that's, that's struggling and they haven't had that, that connection to the, to the Eucharist. Yeah. Um, that's a big moment where I, yeah. where I just I simply smile and have no right. have no words. Mm-hmm. Not necessary. Uh, huh? Yeah, not necessary. Yeah. Um, well, I got to tell you, Father. I, once again, I'm so pleased that you're our pastor, <laughs> well, thank and you. uh, he gives such a compassionate homily, and and uh, and I'm one of those at the end of mass that tell him, you know, he's he, he's on his A game with his homily. So. Uh, uh, I do appreciate it, and the other thing I really do appreciate you're very um, uh, sensitive to you know uh, reconciliation and, and and leaving having leaving the light on. Is that what you call it? the the light is on? Yeah, yeah. You know, so as to in the confessional. So uh, and uh, Father, uh, uh, we have these uh, adoration times during Advent now. Um, um, and uh, that those are on Wednesdays, and it gives us a chance to 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 go to re- to go to confession, yeah. and to also praise Jesus in the real presence there. That's so powerful to me. Uh, you know, we were talking about uh, kind of tearing up a little yeah. bit. You know, and, and I gotta admit, I I I do a lot, and it, it, as to the point of. Uh, just a shout out here, uh, Kate, Sarah, Claire, and Anne Marie, because mm-hmm. <laughs> the uh, they see me. Look, Dad's crying again. You know, so I, I'll get teared up on these certain movies. And you know, when I started, not only movies, Father, but even at Mass, um, just you know, sitting in there, particularly after I receive uh, communion and the beauty of that, and I, I just feel this overwhelming sense in me. It's 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 a almost a chill that runs through me. It's just, I get so emotional. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I heard something about the gift of tears. What, 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 what is that, I wonder? Uh, again, that comes from that spiritual giftedness, the, yeah. these, these ways that we can express what the Spirit is, is speaking to I'm us. Thinking, yeah. I'm thinking, does that mean I've got this gift, yeah, or am yeah. I just overly emotional? You know, I mean, that's what I... No <laughs> such thing no, as no, that. No, no. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think you were open to the you were open to the experience that God was was having with you, and that's how you expressed right. back to Him. Yeah, uh, and it would in a way it's an affirmation. You know, yeah, of what you've uh, experienced. Yeah, yeah, and I think a, you know being around David, uh, David, and like myself, I feel like we've had a conversion later in life, maybe a little bit. Yeah, and when that happens, you you 
you, you're better equipped to understand and accept God in your life, and, and it touches you deeply. And having the kids and all the girls, you yes. know, that's a whole nother deal. We're in touch with our feminine yeah. sides, David and I. Yeah. You know, we got that going on. All right. uh, and we can know. kind of, too, at, at this age, let go of the, the peer pressure mm. or the worry about what is someone going to think of me for, for sharing that my too. faith or, right. or stepping up to join a men's group. Yes. I think David and I are in a group at St. Joseph, yeah. we call it. We're, we're not too creative with our names at St. Joseph. There's a St. Joseph Men's Club. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, that's a good one. So the Men of St. Joseph. The Men of St. Joseph. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And, you know, that those are important, those type of groups where they we are. can share and be mm-hmm. open and, and and I've seen tremendous growth in the men who attend that uh, group. At our I hope those guys are listening to this yeah. show. You know, uh, we need to definitely spread the word. And, um, you know, uh, it's just something that's incumbent upon us to share our faith with each other. I wanted to ask you, um, you mentioned a story <clears throat> in my office about, and I know Father from the sidelines uh, at the football games at St. Yeah. Thomas More. He's like a regular business. <laughs> and I think he spends some time at the high school a lot of time and tell me about that kid we talked about how the youth are so special today you mentioned about this 16 year old boy i'd like you to tell that story on there well i guess i'll go back for a second with we do uh, i do go on mondays to hear confessions at st thomas moore high school that's we're one of the owner pastors or parishes for that school so it's in proximity to me and they're they're lined up out the door for confessions on on monday that's not saying they've been all doing bad things (laughs) but uh no we, we are all sinners and we need forgiveness and the grace and mercy of confession so during their class period they are permitted when, when my name's announced on the on the intercom system mm-hmm. confessions are available and then they're coming week after week after week and they're not just the same ones getting out of class every week like one would think these are truly looking for a confession but back to the um, back to the student there was a student who had a football player and he had an injury a pretty big surgery he had to have on his knee and uh, through his mom, he was asking for home communion. And I'm like, well, sure, sure, home communion's not a, not a problem. I'd love to. And I think her question was, can you send someone? Well, no, I'm going to do that. I'm right, I'm right here. So uh, that, that Sunday, I went over to bring him home communion. What happened that his grandparents were from Eunice. And I knocked on the door, and they, you know, the dad opened and everything. And my, my first reaction, my eyes went to that big, you know, island in the kitchen, and I noticed all these bright white shiny boxes with raised donuts printed on the top. And I knew right away, oh, they are from Eunice. And they brought their their grandson a home delivery there to, um, to him to I guess feed his soul there, right. feed his stomach, while I came to feed his soul with Holy Communion. But it was funny though the whole time as I walked in, he was just overjoyed. But wow, I get to receive communion. Father, I love when you come to offer Mass at St. Thomas More and offering our football Masses every week. And and, and, conf- and that surprised me. Then he said, and confession. You know, I just enjoy going to you for for confession. And it was moving because sometimes we, we see our youth in a different different picture. Um, sometimes, of course, we're concerned about them, but we, we may put them all into one category. But it was kind of funny the whole time he was saying that. I was looking over at the shiny boxes thinking, if I could only get two donuts in the box today, I'll be happy. Um, but no, my, my heart was really just moved that he desired to have what, what the church has for him. That's so beautiful. And that is communion with God as, as a 16-year-old guy. You know, it's beautiful. Incredible. So, yeah, Father, um, yeah, let's see. i got to. Pretty simple question here, I guess. I want to mention that (laughs) the kid was 16. You know, for our listeners out there, I mentioned to you that the Holy Spirit communicates with me through numbers. That's my Holy Spirit number. 16. So I know the Holy Spirit's present with us. uh, And that's just beautiful. I love that story. How about that? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Father, your your favorite saint, who 
who would you say who is your yeah. favorite <laughs> do you I, have one or you know i'm 42 years old yeah. so i guess i can kind of share that and I, so my eyes and my heart goes straight to saint john paul ii okay you know? so i kind of grew up with him yeah and just watching his body go from this you know active i guess aging you know right and then but seeing and then as as again older then going going back reading his encyclicals yeah. reading his homilies and just mm-hmm. the wealth of, of of his spirit being shared with us just come alive and i can say almost as if i knew him like he was a a friend of ours but also as we preach to the you know to the kids to the younger generation I have to remember they didn't know him. They have no idea, right. you know. So, what a wealth that they are going to receive through us, you right. know. So, as a, as a modern day saint, I would say, right. Okay. And, and of course, Mother Teresa, Saint Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Yeah, absolutely. Huh? Again, they're hand in hand almost. I'm right, right. there with you, Father. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you mentioned about the tears and the Holy Spirit. I like it. It's a funny story. You know, Joe Burrow wins the Heisman Trophy. I'm an LSU fan, and, and I'm at the duck camp. I'm not with my wife, and, and she, you know, texts me, I know you're crying right now, and I was. And, uh, you know, and then then when the next day they said, you know, we'll always remember where we were when Joe Burrow won the Heisman. And this guy says, I was with my wife on, on the couch, and I, and I wasn't. She was really not happy about that, you know, not not, <laughs> not, not happy that I wasn't with her. But, you know, I think it, the, the moral for that for me is that some secular things in life can be spiritual. I don't know that Joe Burrow is a super spiritual guy. A lot of people I talked to said he never mentioned God. He never thanked God. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people in my prayer group noticed mm-hmm. that. And uh, my, girl, my daughter is at LSU, and she's like, well, he's so cute. He's so cute, but he didn't mention God, you know. And I'm proud of her for noticing that, too, as well. But, you know, just still I think you can pull enjoyment out of secular mm-hmm. music or you know, movies that are and still connect God to that, I feel like. Todd, listen, I got to tell you this. I mean, this Jumping. morning, this is unbelievable, a ping moment. But anyway, yeah. um, we we had this discussion this morning, Father, in our men's group, Father Shambo actually brought that up. I mean, and we, and we had a discussion about it. I mean, it was really yeah. interesting, yeah. This entire yeah. football year, I believe, though, has been a lot of spiritual for me. Year. Yeah. So that shows you how sports and right. really human interaction, you know, yeah. entertainment, how – and the question was, I think, the God question, how we can sort of bring people really on, on our side here where we feel, yeah. well, they're not practicing their faith. We can't we can't speak with them. Well, that's not, not the case. Right. And and part of our talking or discussion with, with Joe was, um, you know, his Christ figure to us just from the Heisman, even though he didn't mention – you know, Jesus right away, right off the bat, mm-hmm. he sees something in Coach O, Coach Ogeron. Um, he sees his his faith, and and I dare to say, you know, he sees a Christ figure, and uh, and Coach Ogeron. And I know Father Sibley speaks a lot of that about that in movies. Certain movies you can watch and you can see mm-hmm. the Christology in the movie. I could see in his discussions of of how great a coach he is, the Christology in uh, Coach Ogeron. Right. That's a whole other episode. That, I know. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Look, <laughs> I had the privilege of going yeah. to the uh, football banquet at LSU Monday night and. Um, he, Coach O and his wife went around to every person in that theater and thanked them. And, you know, you can see the spirit alive in him. It's beautiful. You can and, and people talked about how calm he was before the game in Atlanta. And when, when he spoke, it's the Holy Spirit. He, this guy has been touched. You, there's no question. That they had a beautiful pastor for the team, gave a blessing. And, you know, just to see that team, I'll share this one last thing with you. They, they played the alma mater at the end. And those kids stood up and locked arms as if they had been a band of brothers. It was it was a very tearful moment to watch those kids, and it wasn't just for show, and it wasn't just because they had to. You know, it was pretty cool. 
so we just have about a minute or so left on the show. What's in your future, Father? What's what 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 you got on the agenda? What's on the agenda? Back back to the parish. Um, we're looking at parish growth, St. Joseph and Milton. Um, we're at an area of, I guess you could say, South Lafayette. Mm. We do need to give the Milton people credit, of course. Right, right. It's an unincorporated area, but there's roundabouts and and huge bridges being built and four-way of uh, extension of Kali Saloon that we are just very busy. And I'm expecting last year we had 800 people for 4 o'clock mass in the little country area of Milton. We're looking about That's maybe awesome. yeah, a little bit bigger. And the Easter, of course, the mass being very large as well. So. We're going to have to make more room for them, not necessarily church additions, but in all of our programs. So we're looking at a lot of a lot of uh, remanagement there, bringing in my management right. degree, yeah, and bringing uh, bringing the word to these people um, who need a, a spiritual home of St. Joseph. If you could ask our parishioners for help, what do you need the most? Money? What do we need the most? Resources? No money. Money is actually good. <laughs> we're doing fine well, with money. Did we you can hear that? More. <laughs> <laughs> but we faithfulness, faithfulness and prayer. I mean, that's incredible. Um, and service whenever I, and they do that whenever we ask they're there sometimes they like a project spelled out completely so project managers i would love all right you heard it here uh, you've been listening to the cajun catholic radio show our guest today was father shambo from milton he's done a great job he's an awesome guy and you got to support him again if you missed this episode or once it post on on uh, the local radio it'll be on soundcloud.com and if you search cajun catholics all the episodes are on there Again, thank you, Father. Thank you, David. It's been such a fast 30 minutes. God bless you, and uh, we're looking to see you in the future.